You are now tuned in to Above the Rim. Welcome to Above the Rim, episode 25. Brought to you by your host, Justin, aka Just Blaze. My special guest this week, my man Chris, head of the ABPN Network, Almighty Bowler Podcast Network. Chris, thanks for joining me, my man. Okay, so Lions growling here, producer guy, uh, <laughs> and then chorus, and then thunderbolts, and then like a drum roll and fade. And it was like, <laughs> um, hey man, it's great to be on. It's great to talk to you. Every time we have a back and forth, I really enjoy it. So I'm glad that the rest of the world's going to be able to listen along. Exactly, man. Most definitely. So, of course, so you can find Above the Rim on iTunes, Stitcher, AlmightyBaller.com, Almighty Baller Podcast Network every Tuesday. Make sure you go out and give Above the Rim that five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. Justin Lee 867 at Yahoo.com to submit questions and comments. Chris, where can they find you on Twitter, my man? At Almighty Ballin, but most importantly... Follow at ABPN Radio. That's where you'll find the entire network. Entire network. Bunch of great podcasts on the network, too. On the network. Great shows on the network. Definitely. So, we're going to have an interesting episode. Going to be talking the most overrated players in the league. Some Dallas Mavericks talk. Some crossover segment. A whole lot of good stuff. So, when you think about the most overrated players in the league, a lot of fans become offended sometimes when their favorite players are labeled overrated. And I say that to say this. These are opinions. To many people, the word overrated and the word trash are synonymous. I mean, overrated is overrated. You might have opinions. My opinions are fact, though. (laughs) Yo, it's a fact. That's what I'm talking about. so disrespectful. I'm, I'm telling you, Chris, every time I'm on Twitter and I call somebody overrated, or I'm just maybe not a fan of their game, people get very sensitive. I know you've encountered that. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I think that a lot of this is opinion. Of There's course. a handful of things, though, that I just think quantifiably make you good or bad that people don't really appreciate yet. Um, you know, I'm not all in on the whole analytics thing. Uh, I'm more of an X's and O's guy, mm-hmm. maybe second I'm analytics. Uh, I watch a lot of basketball, though, and you see it come out on the court that, I mean, let's say you have a guy. Uh, I'm actually going on an Orlando Magic podcast right after this. Yeah. guy like Alfred Payton. Can't shoot. Bad. Just Terrible the end of story. Shooter. He's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so you can't shoot. You're not a center bad you know not an opinion fact (laughs) you see and and see but they're all difference of opinion some some players or some fans i should say still want a back to the basket type center in this new type of pace and space style offense some believe it can work some believe it can't players like uh other analysts and things like that so like i said before it's all a matter of opinion of course i mean so yeah you know I, I think there's reasons to think that the whole post-game phenomena is maybe gone. Um, you know, before the 90s, there was a legal defense, so you couldn't play help. Yep. And so you get Shaq, 
been one on one on like Vladdy Diva, where you get Will Chamberlain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you you get like Will Chamberlain and Kareem just like busting up these guys, and it's like, what are you going to do? Commit to a double team right under the basket? Now someone's wide open. Uh, nowadays, you can sort of start to hedge towards him, and it's uh, and let's say that Kareem was on the court with Alfred Payton. Right, oh, whoever's man. covering Alfred Payton is going to go cover Kareem. Right, he's going to exactly. help off. He's going to help off of him. Exactly. Easy. So fact, back to the basket players, awful. New <laughs> fact, fact number two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I have a few players, a couple players that I think are overrated. I had to think deep for this because I had a few that I thought were pretty mediocre, a few average guys, and I didn't think they were worth it for me to call them overrated. So I had to go with a couple of unpopular choices. So first for me, who I think someone who's slightly overrated, I'm going with DeMarcus Cousins. I think DeMarcus mm. Cousins is a stat monster. He averages a double-double, routinely puts up 30-plus over 15 rebounds. In New Orleans, he averaged 24, 12, and 3. I think for the season, he averaged 27 and 11, if I'm not mistaken, a block as well. So he's a stat machine double-double machine, but I think some of those stats are empty stats, as I like to call it. Some of those come out and come out and blow out losses, in which he's the only decent option on the team. He's the number one option, 1A. So in terms of pure talent, I don't think he's overrated. I still think he's the most skilled center in the league. He's definitely the most offensively gifted center in the league, but I think when it comes down to winning, I think it's a little bit more than talent. So... Do you want to chime in first, or do you want me to give my reasons, Chris, of why I got cousins? I uh, well, what do you want? It's your show. All right, so I'm gonna go first. Direct me, <laughs> please. So first, I'm gonna go with uh, what I think is his. Why I think he's a tad bit overrated. I'm gonna go off the call first. His behavioral problems, as we all know, they're well documented. He whines when he doesn't get the ball. His volatile nature. His teammates walking on a little bit of a little big little bit of eggshells around him his body language is atrocious he lacks he lacks the necessary player discipline and the intangibles needed to win at a high level in this league i think in order for cousins to succeed i think he needs a strong culture around him a strong coaching staff in place for him to succeed and i think that limits him on the type of teams that he can be effective on i don't think he was that effective on Sacramento, I mean, he's sure he put up great numbers, similar to uh, Kevin Love in the Minnesota. But I think as we transition onto his on-court game, he had a high usage rate. I think it was a uh, 40% usage rate. That's, I think it's a little bit high for a center. Almost four turnovers a game for a center. That's too much for my center position. I don't think he should be handling the ball as much. I like him on the mid-range, handling... The offense to him I think sometimes he can get a little bit careless at the ball as well so what do you think about and I think also as well sometimes I worry about his foot speed and pick and roll coverage what do you think about that Chris uh well so to be fair mm. to DeMarcus who is the best teammate she ever had in Sacramento in Sacramento I mean that's a tough one who would you say <laughs> right, right. Rudy Gay um, so, uh, Rudy Gay was out all of last year. So, I mean, but yeah, you could say all of, you could say really similar things about Rudy Gay, by the yeah. way, right? Of course. Um, a guy who was overrated for a long time, probably, and then 
uh, is now probably a little bit underrated, um, or I mean, before his big injury. But I guess what I would say about Demarcus Cousins is it. I mean, first, I think that you started with culture. I think that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for the vast majority of NBA players, culture stuff totally overblown doesn't matter. Um, but then there's some guys like Tim Duncan who just lift everyone up. I think Kawhi Leonard's like that too. Of course. Um, and then on the other hand, uh, Steph Curry, great. And then on the other hand, there's guys, Rajon Rondo, when he was on the Mavericks, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, when he was on the Kings, who just drag everyone down. And then I think everyone in the middle just like, you know, sort of follows the, follows the leader. But if DeMarcus Cousins is one of those cancerous guys, Dwight Howard, man. Okay, if DeMarcus Cousins is Dwight Howard, then yeah. I mean, he's having an awful effect on his team. Yeah. Um, the well, other thing I'll his say... Body language. His body language is terrible. Well, yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of guys with bad body language. I, I think that... I mean, some of the stories of him in Sacramento, though, like berating and belittling Stauskas and, you know, yelling at teammates and reporters and everyone... You know, you said walking on eggshells. I think that that's how everyone felt yeah. when they were around Boogie. If the stories about him being dysfunctional were true, I don't really know. We'll see. Um, I really want DeMarcus on a good team and see what happens. Yeah, Because, um, you, know, you know who was cancerous when he was losing? Michael Jordan. He straight up punched Steve Kerr in the face. <laughs> he, so he hates to lose. He hates it so much. Um, I bet he would have been... Just a nightmare if he was on the Sacramento Kings. So, you know, maybe Boogie uh, in a different situation is more functional. But another thing he needs to do is he's so skilled, but he doesn't use the right skills. Yes, um, he, You're right. Like, why is he ball handling? Why is he, like, Good. getting multiple turnovers? Like Four turnovers from sense. the center. That's way too high. Four turnovers? He averaged 3.9 this season. Well, well, and it's like, if you were James Harden, right? You know, he probably had more turnovers. In fact, he definitely did. Yeah. But he also was getting 30-something points and 12 assists, exactly. right? And DeMarcus is not getting 12 assists, you know, somewhere near 30 points, though. But uh, he's definitely not directing the offense. And of if course. you're going to have that many turnovers, you need to be connecting on a lot more than the amount of passes he averages. Exactly, I 100% agree, and I think also on the defensive end as well. I think his foot speed, his foot speed is still a little slow to defend that pick and roll coverage on a consistent basis on a championship level. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't care. Exactly. He <laughs> <didn't>. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's a three point shooter now. I mean, I like that he stretched his game, but I think he gets a little too trigger happy from time to time. Definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, man, you know what? You want to hear another fact? What's not that? an opinion. Sanders, you can't play defense? Bad. DeMarcus, <laughs> bad. No, he, he's super talented. Yeah. I mean, the other problem with, with DeMarcus is that, uh, I mean, the, the thing about, the thing that makes a superstar a superstar, I think, is, um, you know, you look at win shares plus minus, just the value of you existing on the basketball court. Yeah. Um, superstar players as opposed to average players, the impact is massive. Massive. Like, uh, you know, some of these stats with LeBron on the court versus off the court, like the Cavaliers fall apart without it. Boogie is just not anywhere near that impact. He just is sort of going to be average. So if you're counting him as one of your superstars, your other two superstars on a possible championship team better be Steph Curry and LeBron. Exactly. I agree. 
So what option do you think he has to be on a, on a championship team? Can he be your first option, option, second, or third? Or which does he have to be? Well, I, I think it depends on whether Boogie can be sort of wrangled. Um, mm. He's never had a good coach, never. never been in a good situation with good teammates. And he's never, never been on a winning coach really, either. You know what Boogie needs, man? Uh, He needs to be part of the circle of life on Pride Rock, right? He needs to be, like, part of a team, like the Warriors or something. They're up on the rock. He's Simba, Steph Curry, Simba Curry being held up. up. And then, like, DeMarcus Cousins needs to be out there like a rhino, like, bowing down, like, being like, I'm part of this team right here. I'm going to duck into my role as a hippo, uh, a rhinoceros or whatever. And I'm just going to sort of do rhino things instead of going <laughs> off and trying to do toucan things, right? Yeah. Like, you're not a toucan, DeMarcus. I don't understand, man. I'm, I mean, I wish, I just wish he would, uh, I'm actually rooting for him to go to the Wizards. Hopefully, hopefully he can somehow possible get that done as a free agent. Because I, I definitely don't think he's staying in New Orleans. I think that chapter's done after they missed the playoffs this season. Chapter's done. Oh, God, yeah. The Pelicans are going to be really bad. I think the Wizards, you know what? That's a really good option because John Wall, Mm -hmm. Boogie likes John Wall. Exactly. He's going to be like, John Wall, if you want to be the ball handler, if you want to be making these dishes to me, like, go ahead. I can score 30 off of passes from you so I don't have to average 16 turnovers. Exactly. I think that would be a perfect fit for Boogie right there. I think that would be a perfect fit. So next... Overrated player on my list might be an unpopular and unpopular. Wait, do, do I get to do one? Oh yeah, you go ahead. You got one. All right. Okay. All right. Here, I'll, I'll keep mine. I don't have to do all three. I'll just do a couple. No, uh, I'll only mm-hmm. do one right now though. D Wade. Oh, D Wade. Disrespect. Tell me why. <laughs> now this is this is nothing to do with him as a career. In mm-hmm. fact, I think he's very underrated. Okay. In terms of his career, I think that he's, you know, probably a top three shooting guard uh, of the last 20 years. Okay. Like, fantastic. He led a championship team, keep that in mind, right? And then was part of uh, a couple others. So, oh. D Wade, fantastic player uh, over the course of his career. But this version of D Wade, he's shooting inefficient shots, right? Mid range jump shots, Mid-range. not good. Offense, not a lot of threes, not a lot of layups, not a lot of layups, not a lot of shots at the rim. Uh, oh God! Well, a, a lot of dunks, but he's hitting them up against the rim. You know, like that, like that one uh, shacked in a fool moment where he just dunks on the rim. Uh, and then on defense, he's one of the worst defensive players in the league. So his overall impact is just bad. But I think, do you really think he tries hard on defense, though? I think he's, pres- he's preserving his energy throughout the game. I mean, it's a terrible approach, but when you're, what, 34? What is he, 34 right now or 35? I, I think know. he's several hundred years old. <laughs> Damn near. You're <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm not sure that's a good excuse, though. Like, if you don't try on defense, it means you're bad at defense, right? True. I mean, defense is all effort. I mean, it's not at all yeah, it's a lot of effort. I mean, <laughs> oh. being bad at defense is all lack of effort. How about that? Yo, I mean, that's a fact, too. That's a fact, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, next up for me, 
Overrated. I'm gonna go with Al Horford. Now I think. Oh, I, shut up. I'm gonna go. <laughs> you don't agree? You disagree already? <laughs> oh okay, my god. I, I know you're a what big you Al Horford. About? I know Al, you're a big Al Horford fan. Listen, when you sign Al Horford, four year max deal. Some declared Al Horford that Al Horford signing was the most impactful signing in Celtics history. Tell me you didn't hear that. Twenty-five million a year for four years for playing his thirties. This year he averaged what fourteen points, six rebounds, five assists, a block. In the playoffs, fairly the same. I think he averaged fifteen, six, and five, zero blocks as well. So those, to me, those are relatively pedestrian numbers for a max player. Is that? Is that not fair to say? You're looking at his numbers. Remember, okay, but I'm going to dig when, deeper. When LeBron James is on the court, mm-hmm. Cavaliers good. Off the court, Cavaliers bad. When Al Horford is on the court, Isaiah Thomas, who is you know three or four feet tall, mm-hmm. he's got that little bit of separation because Al yes. Horford is knocking down shots from the perimeter. He's making the right pass. He's fitting into the system. He's being everything that Kelly Olynyk goes to sleep wishing that he was. <laughs> uh, that is true, but, but, but is that enough as your second option? That's not enough as your second option. See what you're saying right there? That's sure, something yeah, that a no, third option would be, would should do. Or fourth. He's basically a, a rich man's Jay Crowder, if you will. He's basically a glorified role player is what you're describing to me. If you're okay with those 14, 6, and 5... Right, you saying going past the numbers, right? You don't think at times he's a little bit over eager to pass at times? He's a great passer. Wait, I mean, so let's 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 establish something here. Mm-hmm. If you're being coached by Brad Stevens, True. you're a role player. Like that that's just all there is to it. You're Thomas a piece isn't a role player. Of his chessboard. I'm sorry? Thomas isn't a role player. IT. Yeah, he is. Well, his he role is, is to score, is. you're trying to say. He's a system player, man. Yeah. Like, he, he, you know, you, you look at their strategy and the way they play. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder, he's out there, big boy, setting yep. big boy picks. Yep. Uh, the reason why, what's his name, just signed with Philly, uh, the center, you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Not, he was um, on the Amir Johnson. Amir Johnson? Right, right. He, Amir Johnson wasn't out there because he's good at defense or rebounding or offense. He's out there because he set some whammy picks. He's going to stop whoever's covering Isaiah Thomas from covering Isaiah Thomas anymore. So now Isaiah's open, right? You put one defender through a Jay Crowder pick, mm-hmm. and then you put the second help defender through an Amir Johnson pick. Now Isaiah Thomas is free to try to make it to the layup. Defense is scrambling. Great job, Brad Stevens. You turned a six-man-of-the-year candidate into the fifth in MVP voting. Isaiah Thomas is great. Yeah, but he's I mean, not he's, that great. I, I, he's not I, like I think you're he's still underappreciated. Uh, but you're still underappreciating Isaiah Thomas, though. I mean, it. I mean, you can't teach his ability to get to the basket and to get those foul calls. You can't put that on Brad Stevens. That's not a system. That's his will to get to the bucket and get those two fouls. Get those two free throws. Kyrie Irving would average 40 points and be the most efficient player in the league if he replaced Isaiah Thomas. In that system? Ah, not with right. those he- not with those hero shots. Kyrie Irving takes a lot more hero shots than Isaiah Thomas does. Isaiah Thomas may shoot more threes, but he still gets to the rack pr- probably about the same as Kyrie. But I think Isaiah Thomas uh, gets more contact. What do you think Kyrie's effective field goal percentages? His effective uh, probably about forty nine somewhere around fifty eight. Fifty eight. Fifty eight. That's pretty good. Yeah, but those are a lot of hero very shots. Efficient. You don't think those are a lot of hero shots? 
I mean, he's what he's the best finisher around the rim, Kyrie Irving. Though, let's get that clear. I think, in my mind, he's the best finisher around the rim. But I, I still think Isaiah Thomas. I think it's a little bit more than being a system player because I does think I do think he goes out and he actually earns those buckets rather than just being a play called for him. So I, I would give him more. But back to to Al Horford. I think he's drifting. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I think he's drifting a little bit too much out of the paint for my liking I know this three-point stroke is relatively a new thing for him and usually in my opinion that usually coincides with a player who just can't run the floor like he used to I mean he only averaged double-digit rebounds I think once in his career if I'm not mistaken and the fact that he's drifting that far out of the paint is usually indicative of a person who doesn't want to bang bodies for rebounds as much and I think in my mind that's what I need for my center if you're my starting center I need you getting me more than six rebounds, especially when the Achilles heel of the Boston Celtics is rebounding. I mean, I know they signed Aaron Baines, but that's not going to get it done. Aaron Baines is not enough. They need a quality rebound. Aaron Baines Baines is overrated. (laughs) Who who rates Aaron Baines? He's a non-factor. Nobody rates Aaron Baines. (laughs) He's he's a non-factor. I can't stand Aaron Baines. (laughs) Like, you know, I just think Aaron Baines was the white choice for Boston. And they always that was want a terrible white choice. Player, you know what I mean? Yeah, that was a terrible choice. Aaron well, no, Baines? So, like the white, the white. Do you see what I'm, I'm saying? Instead of right, I'm saying that he was the white player, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, think that, I think that the Celtics have a fetish for like, Terrible. They they just really want to pay all the big clunky white centers out there. Like Tyler yeah. Zeller, and throw exactly. him hundred dollars. Exactly. I mean, I mean, Kelly I Linick, pick him over Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, Al Al Hoffman, I just still I just don't agree with his max contract, and I don't think he can be a second option on the championship team. I mean, I know now he's third behind Gordon, but I still think they could have used that money elsewhere and got maybe a Drummond, somebody like that. Would have been a lot better, I feel like, in the Boston Celtics. Dude, Drummond's on my list of overrated players. I mean, he might be overrated, but he <laughs> might fit better in that Boston system. With his rebounding prowess, you know, then he can I, go I for just, out with Crowder or Hayward. Yeah. I was just talking to Josh Martin of um, Hollywood Hoops on AllMightyBaller.com. Also, a uh, beat reporter for Bleacher Report. Yeah. Ever heard of it? Um, <laughs> for the Clippers. And... Uh, I, I brought up the idea um, of potentially moving DeAndre for mm. a Horford. Um, the Celtics the wouldn't do guy. that. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, the Clippers wouldn't do that. Excuse me, the Clippers wouldn't do that. Why? DeAndre, DeAndre uh, is uh, has, has this is his last year on his contract. Yeah, and he uh, he's a flight risk. <laughs> he is true. Right? But I don't Chris think Paul's Al Horford. Around. He can't chase him down. True, but I don't think room. I don't think Al Horford is enough of a return for the Clippers to do that deal. I don't think they're that scared okay, that they would so, trade so, him for Horford. The reason why Al Horford's a good fit, and this is a good way of getting to why Al Horford is a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Al Horford is best next to a guy like Blake Griffin. Where Blake Griffin, he's going to go out there, and if there's a guy like Al Horford at center and Blake Griffin is free to grab all the rebounds he wants, he's going to average 12 rebounds a game instead of 10. Yeah, but Blake doesn't want to do uh, that anymore. He, just, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to bang down well, as much. You notice Blake is drifting away from the paint. He's only averaging about eight rebounds well, now. Purposely. 
I mean, he's totally cool banging with small ball fours, right? Because yeah. the other thing that's great about Al Horford is you got to cover him when he's standing out there at the three-point line. Yeah. So Rudy Gobert, elite shot, per, uh, elite rim protector, Rudy Gobert's out at the three-point line being just basically negated. Yeah, and but I, like, think, I honestly think they would leave Al Horford out there. They left him out there a lot, a lot of times in the playoffs. I did see them. Oh, man. Okay, his... His playoff stats, man, I'm going to pull them up. I think they were 45% plus from three. Oh, probably, probably for the playoffs. Because he, he did hit a few, but I'm saying that they were leaving him open. <clears throat> a lot because uh, yeah. first round Robert so Lopez taking those shots and, and nailing them. Yeah, yeah, he was. I just think for me, he might That's be a great, great, a good player for the Boston Celtics system. But I think for his max contract, I don't think his production is worthy of a max 52% contract. from three. And yeah, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's a decent argument. Um, though you look back at last year, some of the money that got dished out to guys like Lou Aldang, Timofey Mozgov, John I mean, Beamey, Chandler Parsons. That was, those were fails. Right. I, I just like, you know, Al Horford's making four or five million dollars more than, than Alan Crabb, right? And I think that Al Horford is worth four or five million. He's worth like fifteen million more than Alan Crabb. So, uh, with so many people getting overpaid, all right with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. I hear you. I mean, it like, can go either way. So, 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 what do you think his market value is, Al Horford? I would say, I mean, if he was a free agent right now, or how much a year? You think you're talking? So, uh, how how old is he? Um, I think he's 32, if Let's I'm not mistaken. I think he's 32. Oh, so it, he was 30 this last year. So oh, okay. uh, how much money do you give a 29-year-old Al Horford? How much money would you be comfortable paying him? Mm, per year, I might give him 15 to 20 mil. How much is he making right now? 25 mil a year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be comfortable giving yeah. him 15 to 20. Probably 20 he's probably going to ask for. Maybe you could talk him down to 19, but you might have to... Put him out uh, back in the contracts on the later years. It's a high number. So probably, I would say 19, 15 to 20, I would say. Yeah, so, so you're paying him like $5 million, yeah. Like uh, $5 million But that's extra. hampering like, you from last year? acquiring more talent on the free agent market. Or you see what they had to move in order to acquire Gordon Hayward this offseason. Maybe they d- might not yeah. have had to do that if Al Hofer got paid a lot less or a few less. Yeah, but maybe Gordon Hayward doesn't go to the Celtics if... If uh, Isaiah Thomas doesn't bring them to the West, to the Eastern Conference Finals and have a MVP caliber Allen Iverson season, yeah, but I think Hoffa was ready to go either way. Hoffa was ready to leave Atlanta either way. I think he was going to go there, no matter what. It was all about the money. Hayward? No, not Hayward. A Horford. The year before. No, no, no. Oh, so oh I'm saying you're talking like, about Hayward. I'm saying Horford went to the Celtics, made Isaiah Thomas way better. And so the Celtics were way better. And then Hayward was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Cool. True. So uh, you have another overrated? I got one more. Let me know. Like I said, DeAndre Jordan. Mm. Oh, wow. Um. And I, I'm going to pick on NBA? him for a little bit. Huh? Andre Drummond. Ah, Okay. Okay. So here, here's here's my thing with Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. You know, I was saying like there's things like you can't be 
a back-to-the-basket center in this NBA or your Julio Okafor, right? Doesn't work. Um, or, or like, uh, Ennis Cantor can't play in the playoffs. Um, it's just, like, it's not functional. Uh, you can't be, like, just, like, a mid-range chucker like D. Wade. Uh, you can't be a guard who doesn't shoot like Alfred Payton. And you can't hit 30% of your free throws. It doesn't work. <laughs> It's very true, though. You you, like you cannot hit thirty percent of your free throws. It's bad. (laughs) Terrible. I mean, he. he, uh, That's of course we know that's his Achilles heel. But I mean, he is his rebounding prowess. I like it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie there, Chris. I do like it because him with Drummond in the middle, it does allow you to go four out. I mean, excuse me, one in, four out. So you can have you can surround it with four perimeter players and Andre Drummond. So I do like Andre him in Drummond, my lineup. Look, man, one of the most impressive things about Andre Drummond, and this wasn't true last year because Stan Van Gundy, I guess, doesn't know what he's doing. Um, yeah. But last uh, for the last few years, basically since Van Gundy took over, uh, he's been shooting about his effective field goal has been like about fifty one percent. When in his first two years it was like sixty two, right? And one of the most remarkable things about Andre Drummond is that he can even finish at the rim given how much people are just going to, like, slam into him. And just, like, that was the thing with Shaq, right? Everyone always fouled Shaq when the choice was, like, am I going to get dunked on or am I going to foul this guy? It's like you foul him every time, right? Yeah. Uh, that's what that's what makes Embiid so stupid. Embiid averaged the most free throws per game in the games they actually played out of any players because it's like you've got this physically you've got this physically dominant force and you as a defending center you're like oh crap like do I foul him and let him shoot 85% from the free throw line or do I let him yam all over me I don't know what to do here (laughs) and then before you know it he's yammed all over you and he's going to shoot one so if if Andre Drummond shot 75% from the free throw line, he's the second or third best center in the league. If he can't shoot better than 30% from the free throw line, he is not a starting caliber center. Oh, not even a starting caliber? Now that's a little that's disrespectful. So disrespectful. Starting caliber? He's well, not a starting well, caliber. He's certainly not. He's, he's not a finishing caliber center. You have to take him off the court in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, that's true. That's all dependent on if his team is good enough to hold a lead. That's the only way I feel like. Then they're just going to hack a drum, and then you got to sit his ass down. So, I mean, either way, he's got to work on that free throw shooting. Either way. So, one more. My last overrated. Yeah, it's bad. Terrible. My last overrated. I'm going to go with Kyle Lazy-Ass Lowry, a.k.a. Chubbs. This year, averaged 22 a game, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, 31-year-old. Playoffs this year. What do you average, y'all? 15, 3 and 5 assists, 46% from the floor, 34% from three. I mean, if you how I many, wish. How many minutes? I think he had like 31, uh, 32 minutes per night. 32 minutes. 32 minutes a night, which is <clears throat> abysmal, by the way. I mean, I wish you could just lower his salary for the playoffs because he ain't earning it. He's not earning his playoff salary. He continues to disappear in the biggest of moments, doesn't show up in big games. His game isn't dynamic to me. I, to me, he's just a solid point guard. And I think at the point guard position in today's NBA, you need either a dynamic scorer or a dynamic playmaker. And I don't think he's either. I just think he's a solid player. And this postseason, his scoring average dipped from 22 
to 15 in the postseason. I know you you might say his wrist was a little bit hurt. I don't think that's a valid excuse. I think he had a little bit of time to recover from that wrist. And then listen, honestly, they should have went out in that first in that first round against the Bucks. If they had Jabari Parker, that series would have been a wrap. And I think in about five games, they would have been out. And I think also forever staying on his record was the 2016 Conference Finals when he left the game, second quarter to decompress like a bum. He went to relax his body and relax his mind. What a bum. I've never seen any garbage like that in my life. The biggest moment in your team's history in the Conference Finals and you decide to leave your teammates on the floor, on the bench, and go in the back. Never heard of that ever in my life. And he said, what did they give him? I think they gave him 30 mil per year. He got a $90 million contract, three years. I mean, I don't think he's worth 30 million per year. Honestly, if I'm the Raptors, and I don't think I can beat the Cavs in the next playoff series, or Boston for that matter, I just overpaid for Serge Ibaka, I would let Kyle Lowry walk. I would let him walk. I don't think Kyle Lowry gets you over the top, and I think tying up both that money in DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry is a bad move. So, I think that was a terrible move. I mean, playoffs, honestly, the playoffs is where reputations are made and lost, and his playoff performance for me doesn't attribute to a $30 million player. So, I think Kyle Big Ass Lowry is overrated. Chris, thoughts? <sighs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think you have to, A, decide which Kyle Lowry we're talking about. Because it's not just playoff Lowry versus not playoff Lowry. It's, uh, you know, December last year, 14 games, plus 17.9, 50% from three, 25.7 rebounds, five assists, or wait, five rebounds, seven assists. Excellent is he that Kyle Lowry? Excellent Or numbers. is he... Uh, the Kyle Lowry is getting 18 points, uh, shooting 20% for three, 48% effective field goal percentage. Uh, it, it's like, you know, whether or not he's on really determines whether or not he's a max player. And I, I guess my question is, I think that what happens is that his coach, Dwayne Casey, mm -hmm. drives him into the ground, right? So, <laughs> Wait, you hope? Uh, <laughs> what? You said you hope? No, no. I oh. think that he drives him into the ground. Oh, like oh. <laughs> 38 minutes. Okay. Uh, for, the, yeah. for the first few seasons, for the first few months of the season, yeah. 38, True. 38, 38.4, 38.6. And then on the last month of the season, 33, right? You have yep. to tamper it back because you're like, oh, wait a minute, crap. I'm driving a 32-year-old player into the ground by playing him the most minutes out of any NBA player out there. And I think that's why he's getting injured by the end of the season. And I think that's why he's not good in the playoffs because he's playing so many minutes and he's getting injured. Although, so you think he's broken down? So you, you're yeah, going to blame right. it all I, on I him breaking that, down? Is that enough? That's not enough of an, of an excuse. I don't really know, man. You know, now, this he, is one of those his, things that I can say fact or not fact. I don't really know. <laughs> But his performances are putrid in the playoffs. Listen, his last three playoffs, 2015, yeah. he averaged 2015, he averaged 12 points, five rebounds, four assists, 31% from the floor, 21% from three. I think that was the year against either the Wizards or the Pacers, if I'm not mistaken. To 2016, he averaged 19, four, and six, 
30% from the floor. 2017, 15, 3, and 5. A nice 46% from the floor, but 34% from three. Those are three terrible playoff performers when they honestly should have lost all three. But by the grace of the Lord, they got through those playoff series and then lost in the next round, aside from the conference finals. I just don't think yeah, Lowry puts you over the top. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not willing to say that I know he does for sure. Um, I, I, I think that there's an argument to be made that it's like he gets injured, um, and then. But I, I do feel like there has to be a psychological component to it. Like yeah. he gets injured and he's like, "Oh crap, I'm injured," and then he gets all worried about it. Yeah, he, he looks takes too shook. much of a burden on. He looks very sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I, I think you're right. I think he like. He'll get injured because he's being worn down. He's playing too many minutes, and then he's like, "Oh crap! I'm injured in the playoffs. Like, gotta shoot everything and carry this team." And he just can't do it, and it just makes the whole situation worse. Yep. So yeah, I, I do. I do think you're right. There's definitely a psychological component to it. I just, you know, I. I it's hard for me to say. I really, I really don't know how much of it is injury stuff mm. and how much of it is psychological yeah. but it's some of both some of both definitely definitely a little bit of both but still no excuse in my mind no excuse you gotta <laughs> perform there's no excuse you gotta perform uh, exactly before, you gotta be above the rim exactly you gotta be talk about it that's what I'm talking about Chris <laughs> um, so before we, before we move on uh, do you have any more overrated or any more overrated players uh, overrated network locked on, locked on NBA network. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so as we know, Chris. Yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Um. So you out in Texas, right? You live in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I actually live in the NBA capital of the world, Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin, Texas, Texas. All right. Okay. But you are a Dallas Mavericks fan, correct? Yes, I um, I actually uh, I went to the same school. You know Jordan Spieth, golfer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you went to the same school as him. Yeah. Oh. No, we went to school together. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a call up, man. Get him an almighty bowler. Oh <laughs> uh, hell yeah, yeah. I got drunk with him when I was twenty one in high school, <laughs> and of legal drinking age. <laughs> the legal drinking. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. So, so the Mavericks actually have had a. I would, in the lightest of terms, I'll call it a peculiar offseason. Kind of weird. You know, they didn't make too many huh. moves. They have uh, Nerlens Noel, still a restricted free agent, I might add. Didn't make too many. They drafted Dennis yeah. Smith Jr. Not a Dirk is coming back for his 20th season. So, Chris, as a Mavs fan, how would you grade the Mavs this offseason? Are there any moves you wish they made? What grade would you give them? Uh, Satisfied? Uh, Yeah, I'm satisfied. I mean, I think it was above average. Um, I think, you know, you're right. They didn't do a lot, but cap space, really valuable. Um, They're sort of keeping their powder dry. They brought Dirk back on board, low salary, uh, low cap hold for next year. Are you okay with that? have a shot. You okay with that? Uh, What's that? With bringing back Dirk for his 20th season? You think he should retire or... Uh, you know, I, I think that the Mavs are probably doing the right thing, which is, you know, um, one foot in, one foot out. 
but okay. they're sort of doing the splits, right? Like, yeah. they're starting Dirk. They're all in on that, right? They're playing mm-hmm. him any minute he wants. Yep. So their foot is all the way in there, and their foot is also all the way in. I mean, like, the, the reason why it was a good offseason, frankly, is, I mean, it, it, in terms of, like, free agents, it was like a C, probably. In terms of the draft, A+. Plus. Mm. So you like you all on board with Dennis Smith? Well, you know, uh, I I'm a big fan of guys. You know, actually, you know, if I were to sit down and uh, make a list of guys who are good at shooting pull up three point jump shots, mm-hmm. I would be reading you a list of the best point guards in the NBA. Yeah, that's um, true. Dennis Smith in college shot 42 percent from NBA distance, right? Mm-hmm. And he shot 37% on contested pull-up three-point jump shots. So it's like everyone was so quick to be like, oh, Marco Falls, bad situation, bad teammate. Dennis Smith's coach got fired in the middle of the season. Yeah. Dennis Smith's teammates were, were awful. Um, I think, you know, you, you, you got to look at the context of that. And you got to look at the context of that 48-inch vertical, too. Yeah. I, I like Dennis Smith. I'm not going to lie. I think he's going to be a problem this year. I think Dennis Smith will pull up. You're in New York, right? Yeah, New York, Brooklyn. Hey, have fun with Frankie Nicotine, man. <laughs> Yo, he's terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, he's not terrible. He's just, like, not anywhere near as good. He wasn't my choice. For the Knicks, uh, I actually know, wanted Malik Monk. Yeah, they should have gotten Malik Monk. Exactly. For sure. For sure. Oh, I think it was a terrible choice, but hey, that was Phil, and he's no longer here. What can I, I think say? it was not a good choice, but I yeah. mean, uh, like, uh, he's not so bad that it's like, you know, okay, so Chicago drafted above you. They took uh, that big Swedish guy. Or, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, with Markinen. Yeah. Mark uh, <laughs> bad choice. Not the right choice. I can tell you that right now. Um, I can't for sure tell you whether Telekin is going to be better than Dennis Smith. Um, but if you're gambling, like, I yeah, put my money the on Smith. The so much better that Dennis Smith will be better. Of course. Of course it is. Of course it is. I put my money on Dennis Smith either way. So I think, yeah, the Mavs, I think that was a great pickup, and I think the Mavs fans will be very happy in the future with Dennis Smith Jr. So um, going back to Dirk really quick, I want to ask you a Dirk question. Where do you rank Dirk in your all-time top power forwards? All-time. Power forwards? Yeah, power forwards. That's Tim Duncan included in power forwards. Kevin Garnett included in power forwards. I'll tell you what number I got him at. Because this was a very interesting debate I was having. I got him at number five. All-time top power forwards. So, Tim Duncan higher. I got KG higher. Uh, I got KG, Tim Duncan, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, then Dirk. I think he's above above Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. Ooh, you got Dirk above both? Yeah, for oh. sure. Wow. So that means you got him at number three. Look, man, what was the last? What was the last championship team that you were? Okay, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying like, you know, who's wait? So you gonna throw the championship team? argument in this? <laughs> well, 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 a specific argument though. All right. Okay. So who was in that 2011 championship run? Mm-hmm. Who was Dirk Nowitzki's best teammate for that run? Was it Tyson Chandler, who over the course of the playoffs averaged seven points a game? Maybe it was a 40-year-old Jason Kidd who was his best teammate. Or Jason Terry, who was coming off the bench. Maybe it was, you know, Sean Marion, you know, averaging like 
also coming off the bench, right? Yeah. Or Deshaun Stevenson playing lockdown defense on LeBron. Josh like, Howard was on jerk. that team too. Josh no, Howard no, that uh, he he wasn't on that team. He was oh, okay. on that 0607 okay. uh, team that got knocked oh, out the oh, first round. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm mixing years. You're right. And that year never happened for me. Like <laughs> I, I just I, I have no recollection of that. Um, uh, but. I mean, uh, I think there's something special to be said. It's like, not only did he do it, he did it basically by himself without any other all-star teammates. And I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, that was an MVP you know, for the great season. I, I would put him under Tim Duncan, and I would put him right... Uh, I, I don't want to put Kevin Garnett higher. He's tied to Kevin mm. I got KG higher. I, honestly, KG is the most talented power forward of all time to me. I think he's more talented than Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was a more successful, but I think KG was a more talented. I think his game was top notch, and I just like KG more than Tim Duncan. So I got KG Duncan. Yeah, you know, I think you're probably right. Yeah. right I'll, I'll put him above Dirk. Okay. All right. Okay. I got. I can't put Dirk above uh, Chuck. I got to give my man Chuck the nod because of his versatility. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, exactly. So uh obviously best European plane ever. I think that's about easy. Best European European plane hands down. But um I mean so do you think Porzingis could be a Dirk 2.0? Or better than uh, Dirk? You know, he's like you know how there's like an Xbox 360 and then it goes to Xbox One? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, okay, you know what? Dirk is like a Game Boy, and then Porzingis is like a DS. Mm. Still, Game Boy is still always better than DS, though. More classic. Well, I mean, yeah, for its time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, you uh, if you're GameStop, you're not giving as much money for oh, yeah. a yeah. Game Boy Color, right? Um, but the new so model. I think what Dirk did is, uh, you know, you look back at the history of great big men, great seven-footers, and, uh, you know, there's one big German outlier in terms of being able to shoot from long distance, uh, especially, like, the three-point line, um, and uh, being efficient at it, one of the most efficient players in the league year after year, MVP winner. Yeah. And uh, Dirk, Dirk was the first guy who made that model work, and everyone was like, oh, Eurosoft. Um, that's that's <laughs> sort of what they called him at first, like yeah. Nowinski, right? So they, uh, you know, were like, oh, you should have gotten Paul Pierce instead. Uh, which, you know, I mean, Paul Pierce is great, but I would have rather had Dirk. So uh, the fact that every team in the NBA has a stretch four right now, you can basically look at Dirk and say, well, Maybe the fact that Dirk was so revolutionary at the floor, spreading the floor for yeah. shitty centers like Eric Dampier and the Sagana, Lasagna job. Oh my gosh. Um, like, <laughs> right, oh yeah, no, Lord. like crappy right. centers. He's right. spreading the floor for these like crap bucket centers. Um, and, and you know, he's winning these games uh, basically just by opening up the court. And the reason why Chris Dapps isn't Dirk 2.0 but he's just like a new beast, yeah. but sort of changing the game in the same way. Is I think that he does that from the center position. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I really like Porzingis' game. Not gonna lie, I, I really think he could. Uh, I'm glad that he's working with Dirk. He's pulling up a few tricks. So I appreciate Porzingis working with Dirk in the summer. That that was a great job and a good look for the young fella. 
Most definitely. So, uh, so Chris, so now it's time for the crossover segment. Not a game, not a game, not a game. All right. We talking about So the crossover practice. segment, I'll be throwing out player comparisons from different eras. My man Chris acts as a GM, and he tells me who he would take out of the two in their primes. So accolades aside, of course, you tell me play fantasy GM, and Chris, you tell me who you take out of the two. So first up. Tony Parker or Prime Nick Van Axel? Let me give you the career stats. Tony Parker, career stats, 16 points a game, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 49% from the floor, 4-time champ, finals MVP, 6-time All-Star. Nick the Quick, Van Axel, 14 a game, 3 rebounds, 3, three rebounds, 6 assists, excuse me, 40% from the floor, 1-time All-Star. Chris, who you got, Tony Parker? Or Nick Van Axel. Okay, well, I guess you're starting me off on easy mode, Tony. <laughs> easy mode, Tony. Tell me why. Act, not act. Because he's a six-time, six-time all-star. I just said take accolades champion, aside. Like... Accolades aside, we're talking about games. You're a GM. You got okay, both of those right, two on well, the table. We analyzing their games. I just gave you the accomplishments. It's just you know, just a little polisher, just a little goal on the top. So mm-hmm. he was. He was the quickest player in the league uh, for a good stretch of like eight years. Who are you talking about right now, uh, Tony? He, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, he uh, was—he invented English before Kyrie could even speak English, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, kissing it off the board. Uh, he sort of popularized, you know, like James Harden is sort of uh, a little bit like Tony Parker. He is just so good at getting those shots off while getting fouled, while getting shots off the backboard that it's goaltending if you touch him. Like, he's so good with geometry. Um, He's a better scorer. uh, He's a better finisher. They're both not good defenders, so who cares? Uh, Tony Parker's just a better player. I don't know, Chris. I'm a little iffy on that. I, I think Nick Van Axel is actually the better offensive player over Tony Parker. I think he had a better offensive game. Tony Parker can never honestly shoot threes if you want to keep it funky. Tony Parker was always a mid-range player, more of a finisher type, more of a slashing type of point guard. Nick Van Axel could hit you from outside. He could also get to the rim. He could also drive. He would also, uh, I think he was a superior ball handler over Tony Parker. So you don't like Allen Iverson then? Of course, I like Allen Iverson. One of the worst volume three point shooters uh, in NBA history. Three point shooters, yeah, but one of the best scorers, but one of the lowest efficiency players. Parker more efficient. You know, he's more efficient than Nick Van Axel. Yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. Oh, I agree with you there. He's definitely more efficient. Look for the career of Tony Parker shot forty nine percent for his career. Nick Van Axel shot only forty percent. I mean, but if I'm a GM and I got both of those two on the table, depending on what else my team is building around, off of talent, I'm actually going Nick the Quick. But Tony Parker's no slouch, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Tony's a bum. I just think I would rather have the more dynamic playmaker because, like you said, defensively, they're both a wash. So that's a non-factor right now. And I think Nick might have been a better passer, slightly better passer. And I think Tony Parker may have been somewhat of a product of the system or a product of playing with a Tim Duncan might have elevated his game. Could be. That all remains to be seen. 
But I would rather go Nick the Quick. So you still uh, going with Tony? Yeah, I. Uh, you know, I, I, you're just <laughs> you're, you're incorrect, sir. <laughs> well, see, you're, you're basing it off an, uh, of an efficiency standpoint. I think we know Tony Parker no, has I, had the better I, I, career. Like, I, I'm honestly, I'm looking at every possible way mm. that he could be better. He's better. <laughs> But I'm saying he is the better player overall. But I'm saying if I was a GM, it's all about who would you take out of the two in their primes. And I think he's more of a dynamic offensive threat. So that's why I would go with Nick the Quick. It's my personal preference. I still think Tony Parker was a better player overall. But I honestly would choose Nick the Quick over Tony Parker. Well, so let's say let's mm. say I was the Timberwolves. Um, maybe I would rather have Nick Van Axel just because of his fit next to... You know, ball dominant Jimmy Butler, ball dominant Wiggins, ball dominant Carl Anthony Towns. But I think for you know, Nick Van Exel uh, was a consistent scorer too. By the way, don't forget he, he averaged double digits his entire career. It was usually around a fifteen to to eighteen point range. I mean, yeah, but not as good as Tony Parker though. Tony Parker was about the same thing. For his career, he averaged sixteen, two points higher, but Nick averaged more assists. But of course, you're saying you yeah, go an efficiency I mean, route. But like two points higher, surrounded by yeah. a championship team. Like, you know, if you put Nick Van Exel on the Spurs, uh, on a good team, like you're, he's not going to score as much. Oh, I disagree. I think there will be easier opportunities for Nick to score. Well, back those back in those CMT when he first got drafted, he was with Eddie Jones, and then I think right after that he was with an early Shaq. Then he went to the Nuggets. Then he went to the Mavs. He contributed on each one of those teams. He turned into a six-man, basically. But I, I, that's just me. I, but I get you. I get yeah, you. Yeah, and Tony Parker yeah. turned into a finals MVP. Oh, yeah. He, he is. We're not taking that away from him. Tony Parker is a stud. Tony Parker is a stud. But let me give you one more. So next up, are you taking a prime Blake Griffin or a prime Sean Kemp? Let me give you the career stats. Blake Griffin, 21 21 points a game, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 51% from the floor, 5-time All-Star, 1-time Rookie of the Year. Sean Kemp, 15 a game, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, 1 steal, 48% from the floor, 6-time All-Star. Chris, who are you taking in there prime, Blake Griffin or Sean Kemp? <sighs> um, you have to think? Yeah, no, this one's harder. Hmm. Um, I think I am so you know Blake Griffin back in 2013 mm-hmm. when he was third in MVP voting mm-hmm. uh, I think that year was better than any year that Sean Kemp had that was peak Blake right okay better than any so you basing it off that one Single season? You think that one season that Blake had is better than any season in Sean Kemp's career, basically? Even when he went to the finals that year, yeah. I think he averaged about twenty and twelve or twenty-two and twelve, if I'm not mistaken. That ninety-six year and that ninety-seven year. Well, but if you mm-hmm. grab Sean Kemp's career mm-hmm. from ninety-three or ninety-two in Seattle, mm-hmm. bring it up that to two thousand in Cleveland, yeah, like that's that's eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Griffin. Like, it punches too many equipment managers to be <laughs> even out on the court. Uh, for I mean, I, like, he, he 
So, yeah, I mean, but Kemp has strung together more better seasons than he has. Uh, you know, if I was choosing to Who throw taking, a dartboard, Who are you taking, Chris? <laughs> well, it depends on it depends on the question. So, like, what does Prime mean? Does Prime mean best season? Prime is basically a Blake Griffin. Well, you can't say Blake Griffin right now because some people would say he's declining. So I would say that MVP year, that I mean, MVP, third in MVP voting year, Blake Griffin, and Sean Kemp's best years in S- Seattle, which I would say probably be 95, 96. Peak each no, player. No, I, I would say hands down, hands down Blake Griffin. Oh, me too. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, think, I think Blake Griffin is the more dynamic player of the two. I think he's, a, obviously, we know he's a phenomenal passer. This- Hmm? More assists, more, more assists. points. Of course. I think he's a better scorer as well over over Sean Kemp. I think Blake Griffin could score more of, in more of a variety of ways than Blake Griffin. I still think rebounding, I think maybe they might be kind of a wash, or maybe Sean Kemp might be a little bit better. But it's because Blake has a drop-off, so it's hard to argue Blake's rebounding right now. But he's definitely a better passer. And also passer. he plays next to DeAndre. Exactly. So that hammers his... Re- a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people, they love to get on Blake for his pedestrian level rebounding now. It's about eight rebounds a night. But it's, I think it's because he doesn't even fight for those rebounds. I think he lets DeAndre grab majority of those and sprints back. So he can get those those little pin downs. You know, those early pin, down that, pin downs that you usually get to pin the defense. So I think Blake Griffin is the more dynamic player of the two. And I honestly would take, to me, it's hands down Blake Griffin. You would say, who would you say yeah. is a better dunker or better finisher? Uh, I'd probably go with Sean Kemp. Okay, okay, okay. So you think, do you think anyone can make an argument for Sean Kemp? Taking Sean Kemp over Blake? He's a better player. You think he was a better yeah, overall player? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, yeah. I, I it especially depends... If you're making that peak argument, it's mm-hmm. a little harder. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think at this point, you've got to choose Sean Kemp's career. If you're a team, and, like, I can tell you that uh, you can have, you know, uh, Blake Griffin throughout his whole career, or you can have Sean Kemp throughout his whole career. I mean, Sean Kemp was actually on the court for most of his seasons. So, That's true. Um, yeah, I uh, I think you got to go with Sean Kemp if you're talking like you know. Well, if I I've got this guy for ten years, you know, I'm gonna go with the guy who uh, you know doesn't have like multiple knee injuries, back injuries, hand injuries. Like it's just and it's bad, um, you know. But I mean, you look at Derrick Rose, right? Like Pete Derrick Rose, like mm-hmm. was was stupid good, but now like. If, if I could have 10 years of Derrick Rose or 10 years of Drew Holiday, <laughs> uh, he's not a good example. He gets injured a lot. Yeah, 10 I was years about to of, say, uh, Drew Holiday, that was a terrible one. <laughs> 10 years of, like, Goran Dragic. How about that? i choose <laughs> Goran Dragic, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Definitely. So, I mean, I, th- I think I, I would still take Blake's. I think Blake's a more dynamic player. So, Chris, so before we get out of here, so as I told the people before, Chris is... Uh, he started the Almighty Bowler Podcast Network. So tell the people about that. So why'd you? What made you get started uh, doing the network? What made you want to do it? So uh, back in the early days, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was I was bartending um, <laughs> in Austin. Okay. And one night, Uh-oh. I just thought of the website name Almighty Baller, based on you know 
almighty dollar. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to make a basketball blog. And I just bought the domain and it sat around uh, for a few months until, you know, I was bored. Uh, fresh, freshly single, you know, um, <laughs> had a lot of time on my hands. Okay. And uh, I just sort of started cranking out articles. Uh, and then I eventually started a podcast. I was looking at the numbers like, well, a thousand people listen to this podcast. Ten people read this article. Uh, I went with the podcast, and then, you know, I, I'm I, I like people. I like talking to people, meeting people, mm-hmm. and networking seemed like you know the the thing to do. So you bring podcast and network together. You got podcast network. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I appreciate you starting that that network, man. And and uh, tell the people what other shows are on the network. There's actually a lot of fire shows on the network. A lot. You have a. It's basically a, a podcast for each team, right? Do you have every team on there now? No, not every team. Okay. Uh, majority, you know, though. I didn't want to have... I'm sorry? I said majority, though. Yeah, well, so let's see. Lakers, Lakers Legacy, Warriors Huddle, yeah. Kings Court, Solar Panel, mm-hmm. uh, that's the Sun Show, Blazers Edge, Mavs Fanatic, Spurs Cast, down to Dunk Thunder. Thunder. Uh, you go to the East Buzzbeat, Charlotte Hornets, uh, A League, Atlanta Hawks, Zardcast, Washington Wizards, Heat Beat, Miami Heat, We the Rapscast, Toronto Raptors, <laughs> New York Knicks shows, yeah. New York Knicks, The Glue Guys, Brooklyn Nets, um, and then uh, the Undebeatables, Pacers, Inside the Cylinder, Detroit Pistons, Debatables. Oh. Uh, both. <laughs> and then two Cavs podcasts, yep. The Chase Down and Cavalitic. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. That's and a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of podcasts. And also other variety of shows, too, as well. So it's a lot of heated content going over at Almighty Bowler Network, man. Make sure y'all go subscribe as well as Above the Rim, as you all do. Go subscribe to the rest of the podcast. And Chris, you do a show, too, the Almighty Bowler NBA show. Make sure y'all go check right, out check right. that out too. Almighty Ball and NBA show. I I just recorded a show with Corey from Lakers Nation about mm-hmm. uh, Lonzo and the Lakers free agency situation. Just posted that, and then just earlier yeah. today, uh, recorded with Josh Martin, co-host of Hollywood Hoops. Look at um, that man! You and uh, you all over, man. You all over. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm in everywhere, man. Exactly, that's what I'm. I'm in ev- definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I, I'm a traveler, <laughs> chronic traveler. <laughs> so, Chris, man, I appreciate you coming on above the rim for episode 25. Big shout out to you. I appreciate you joining me for this, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you being on the network, and I appreciate you appreciating. <laughs> that's a lot of appreciating. <laughs> For real, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. So that's above the rim, episode twenty-five, and we out. Yeah.